Chapter Six of the Autobiography of Benjamin Franklin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Autobiography of Benjamin Franklin by Benjamin Franklin. Chapter Six. First visit to London. The governor, seeming to like my company had me frequently to his house and his setting me up was always mentioned as a fixed thing i was to take with me letters recommendatory to a number of his friends besides the letter of credit to furnish me with the necessary money for purchasing the press and types paper etc for these letters i was appointed to call at different times when they were to be ready but a future time was still named thus he went on till the ship whose departure too had been several times postponed was on the point of sailing then when i called to take my leave and receive the letters his secretary dr bard came out to me and said the governor was extremely busy in writing but would be down at newcastle before the ship and there the letters would be delivered to me ralph though married and having one child had determined to accompany me in this voyage it was thought he intended to establish a correspondence and obtain goods to sell on commission but i found afterwards that through some discontent with his wife's relations he purposed to leave her on their hands and never return again having taken leave of my friends and interchanged some promises with miss reed i left philadelphia in the ship which anchored at newcastle the governor was there but when i went to his lodging the secretary came to me from him with the civilest message in the world that he could not then see me being engaged in business of the utmost importance but should send the letters to me on board wished me heartily a good voyage and a speedy return etc i returned on board a little puzzled but still not doubting mr andrew hamilton a famous lawyer of philadelphia had taken passage in the same ship for himself and son and with mr denham a quaker merchant and messrs onion and russell masters of an ironwork in maryland had engaged the great cabin so that ralph and i were forced to take up with the berth in the steerage and none on board knowing us were considered as ordinary persons but mr hamilton and his son it was james since governor returned from newcastle to philadelphia the father being recalled by a great fee to plead for a seized ship and just before we sailed colonel french coming on board and showing me great respect i was more taken notice of and with my friend ralph invited by the other gentlemen to come into the cabin there being now room accordingly we removed thither understanding that colonel french had brought on board the governor's dispatches i asked the captain for those letters that were to be under my care he said all were put into the bag together and he could not then come at them but before we landed in england i should have an opportunity of picking them out so i was satisfied for the present and we proceeded on our voyage we had a sociable company in the cabin and lived uncommonly well having the addition of all mr hamilton's stores who had laid in plentifully in this passage mr denham contracted a friendship for me that continued during his life the voyage was otherwise not a pleasant one as we had a great deal of bad weather when we came into the channel the captain kept his word with me and gave me an opportunity of examining the bag for the governor's letters i found none upon which my name was put as under my care 
i picked out six or seven that by the handwriting i thought might be the promised letters especially as one of them was directed to basket the king's printer and another to some stationer we arrived in london the twenty fourth of december seventeen twenty four i waited upon the stationer who came first in my way delivering the letter as from governor keith i don't know such a person says he but opening the letter oh this is from riddlesden i have lately found him to be a complete rascal and i will have nothing to do with him nor receive any letters from him so putting the letter into my hand he turned on his heel and left me to serve some customer i was surprised to find these were not the governor's letters and after recollecting and comparing circumstances i began to doubt his sincerity i found my friend denham and opened the whole affair to him he let me into keith's character told me there was not the least probability that he had written any letters for me that no one who knew him had the smallest dependence on him and he laughed at the notion of the governor's giving me a letter of credit having as he said no credit to give on my expressing some concern about what i should do he advised me to endeavour getting some employment in the way of my business among the printers here said he you will improve yourself and when you get to america you will set up to greater advantage we both of us happened to know as well as the stationer that riddlesden the attorney was a very knave he had half ruined miss reed's father by persuading him to be bound for him by this letter it appeared there was a secret scheme on foot to the prejudice of hamilton supposed to be then coming over with us and that keith was concerned in it with riddlesden denham who was a friend of hamilton's thought he ought to be acquainted with it so when he arrived in england which was soon after partly from resentment and ill-will to keith and riddlesden and partly from good-will to him i waited on him and gave him the letter he thanked me cordially the information being of importance to him and from that time he became my friend greatly to my advantage afterwards on many occasions but what shall we think of a governor's playing such pitiful tricks and imposing so grossly on a poor ignorant boy it was a habit he had acquired he wished to please everybody and having little to give he gave expectations he was otherwise an ingenious sensible man a pretty good writer and a good governor for the people though not for his constituents the proprietaries whose instructions he sometimes disregarded several of our best laws were of his planning and passed during his administration ralph and i were inseparable companions we took lodgings together in little britain at three shillings and sixpence a week as much as we could then afford he found some relations but they were poor and unable to assist him he now let me know his intentions of remaining in london and that he never meant to return to philadelphia he had brought no money with him the whole he could muster having been expended in paying his passage i had fifteen pistoles so he borrowed occasionally of me to subsist while he was out looking for business he first endeavoured to get into the playhouse believing himself qualified for an actor but wilkes to whom he applied advised him candidly not to think of that employment as it was impossible he should succeed in it 
then he proposed to roberts a publisher in paternoster row to write for him a weekly paper like the spectator on certain conditions which roberts did not approve then he endeavoured to get employment as a hackney writer to copy for the stationers and lawyers about the temple but could find no vacancy i immediately got into work at palmer's then a famous printing-house in bartholomew close and here i continued near a year i was pretty diligent but spent with ralph a good deal of my earnings in going to plays and other places of amusement we had together consumed all my pistoles and now just rubbed on from hand to mouth he seemed quite to forget his wife and child and i by degrees my engagements with miss reed to whom i never wrote more than one letter and that was to let her know i was not likely soon to return this was another of the great errata of my life which i should wish to correct if i were to live it over again in fact by our expenses i was constantly kept unable to pay my passage at palmer's i was employed in composing for the second edition of wollaston's religion of nature some of his reasonings not appearing to me well founded i wrote a little metaphysical piece in which i made remarks on them it was entitled a dissertation on liberty and necessity pleasure and pain i inscribed it to my friend ralph i printed a small number it occasioned my being more considered by mr palmer as a young man of some ingenuity though he seriously expostulated with me upon the principles of my pamphlet which to him appeared abominable my printing this pamphlet was another erratum while i lodged in little britain i made an acquaintance with one wilcox a bookseller whose shop was at the next door he had an immense collection of second-hand books circulating libraries were not then in use but we agreed that on certain reasonable terms which i have now forgotten i might take read and return any of his books this i esteemed a great advantage and i made as much use of it as i could my pamphlet by some means falling into the hands of one lyons a surgeon author of a book entitled the infallibility of human judgment it occasioned an acquaintance between us he took great notice of me called on me often to converse on those subjects carried me to the horns a pale alehouse in blank lane cheapside and introduced me to dr mandeville author of the fable of the bees who had a club there of which he was the sole being a most facetious entertaining companion lyons too introduced me to dr pemberton at baston's coffee-house who promised to give me an opportunity some time or other of seeing sir isaac newton of which i was extremely desirous but this never happened i had brought over a few curiosities among which the principal was a purse made of the asbestos which purifies by fire sir hans sloane heard of it came to see me and invited me to his house in bloomsbury square where he showed me all his curiosities and persuaded me to let him add that to the number for which he paid me handsomely in our house there lodged a young woman a milliner who i think had a shop in the cloisters she had been genteelly bred was sensible and lively and of most pleasing conversation ralfred plays to her in the evenings they grew intimate she took another lodging and he soon followed her they lived together some time 
but he being still out of business and her income not sufficient to maintain them with her child he took a resolution of going from london to try for a country school which he thought himself well qualified to undertake as he wrote an excellent hand and was a master of arithmetic and accounts this however he deemed a business below him and confident of better fortune when he should be unwilling to have it known that he was once so meanly employed he changed his name and did me the honour to assume mine for i soon after had a letter from him acquainting me that he was settled in a small village in berkshire i think it was where he taught reading and writing to ten or a dozen boys at sixpence each per week recommending mrs t to my care and desiring me to write to him directing for mr franklin schoolmaster at such a place he continued to write frequently sending me large specimens of an epic poem which he was then composing and desiring my remarks and corrections these i gave him from time to time but endeavoured rather to discourage his proceeding one of young's satires was then just published i copied and sent him a great part of it which set in a strong light the folly of pursuing the muses with any hope of advancement by them all was in vain sheets of the poem continued to come by every post in the meantime mrs t having on his account lost her friends and business was often in distresses and used to send for me and borrow what i could spare to help her out of them i grew fond of her company and being at that time under no religious restraint and presuming upon my importance to her i attempted familiarities another erratum which she repulsed with a proper resentment and acquainted him with my behaviour this made a breach between us and when he returned again to london he let me know he thought i had cancelled all the obligations he had been under to me so i found i was never to expect his repaying me what i had lent to him or advanced for him this however was not then of much consequence as he was totally unable and in the loss of his friendship i found myself relieved from a burthen i now began to think of getting a little money beforehand and expecting better work i left palmer's to work at watts near lincoln's inn fields a still greater printing-house here i continued all the rest of my stay in london at my first admission into this printing-house i took to working at press imagining i felt a want of the bodily exercise i had been used to in america where press-work is mixed in with composing i drank only water the other workmen near fifty in number were great guzzlers of beer on occasion i carried up and down stairs a large form of types in each hand when others carried but one in both hands they wondered to see from this in several instances that the water american as they called me was stronger than themselves who drank strong beer we had an alehouse boy who attended always in the house to supply the workmen my companion at the press drank every day a pint before breakfast a pint at breakfast with his bread and cheese a pint between breakfast and dinner a pint at dinner a pint in the afternoon about six o'clock and another when he had done his day's work i thought it a detestable custom but it was necessary he supposed to drink strong beer that he might be strong to labour 
i endeavoured to convince him that the bodily strength afforded by beer could only be in proportion to the grain or flour of the barley dissolved in the water of which it was made that there was more flour in a pennyworth of bread and therefore if he would eat that with a pint of water it would give him more strength than a quart of beer he drank on however and had four or five shillings to pay out of his wages every saturday night for that muddling liquor an expense i was free from and thus these poor devils keep themselves always under watts after some weeks desiring to have me in the composing-room i left the pressman a new bienvenu or sum for drink being five shillings was demanded of me by the compositors i thought it an imposition as i had paid below the master thought so too and forbade my paying it i stood out two or three weeks was accordingly considered as an excommunicate and had so many little pieces of private mischief done me by mixing my sorts transposing my pages breaking my matter etc etc if i were ever so little out of the room and all ascribed to the chapel ghost which they said ever haunted those not regularly admitted that notwithstanding the master's protection i found myself obliged to comply and pay the money convinced of the folly of being on ill terms with those one is to live with continually i was now on a fair footing with them and soon acquired considerable influence i proposed some reasonable alterations in their chapel laws and carried them against all opposition from my example a great part of them left their muddling breakfast of beer and bread and cheese finding they could with me be supplied from a neighbouring house with a large porringer of hot water gruel sprinkled with pepper crumbled with bread and a bit of butter in it for the price of a pint of beer viz three halfpence this was a more comfortable as well as cheaper breakfast and keep their heads clearer those who continued sotting with beer all day were often by not paying out of credit at the alehouse and used to make interest with me to get beer their light as they phrased it being out i watched the pay-table on saturday night and collected what i stood engaged for them having to pay sometimes near thirty shillings a week on their accounts this and my being esteemed a pretty good rigite that is a jocular verbal satirist supported my consequence in the society my constant attendance i never making a saint monday recommended me to the master and my uncommon quickness at composing occasioned my being put on all work of dispatch which was generally better paid so i went on now very agreeably my lodging in little britain being too remote i found another in duke street opposite to the romish chapel it was two pair of stairs backwards at an italian warehouse a widow lady kept the house she had a daughter and a maid-servant and a journeyman who attended the warehouse but lodged abroad after sending to inquire my character at the house where i last lodged she agreed to take me in at the same rate three shillings sixpence per week cheaper as she said from the protection she expected in having a man lodge in the house she was a widow an elderly woman had been bred a protestant being a clergyman's daughter but was converted to the catholic religion by her husband whose memory she much revered had lived much among people of distinction and knew a thousand anecdotes of them as far back as the times of charles the second she was lame in her knees with the gout and therefore seldom stirred out of her room 
so sometimes wanted company and hers was so highly amusing to me that i was sure to spend an evening with her whenever she desired it our supper was only half an anchovy each on a very little strip of bread and butter and half a pint of ale between us but the entertainment was in her conversation my always keeping good hours and giving her little trouble in the family made her unwilling to part with me so that when i talked of a lodging i had heard of nearer my business for two shillings a week which intent as i now was on saving money made some difference she bid me not think of it for she would abate me two shillings a week for the future so i remained with her at one shilling and sixpence as long as i stayed in london in a garret of her house there lived a maiden lady of seventy in the most retired manner of whom my landlady gave me this account that she was a roman catholic had been sent abroad when young and lodged in a nunnery with an intent of becoming a nun but the country not agreeing with her she returned to england where there being no nunnery she had vowed to lead the life of a nun as near as might be done in those circumstances accordingly she had given all her estate to charitable uses reserving only twelve pounds a year to live on and out of this sum she still gave a great deal in charity living herself on water gruel only and using no fire but to boil it she had lived many years in that garret being permitted to remain there gratis by successive catholic tenants of the house below as they deemed it a blessing to have her there a priest visited her to confess her every day i have asked her says my landlady how she as she lived could possibly find so much employment for a confessor oh said she it is impossible to avoid vain thoughts i was permitted once to visit her she was cheerful and polite and conversed pleasantly the room was clean but had no other furniture than a mattress a table with a crucifix and book a stool which she gave me to sit on and a picture over the chimney of st veronica displaying her handkerchief with the miraculous figure of christ's bleeding face on it which she explained to me with great seriousness she looked pale but was never sick and i give it as another instance on how small an income life and health may be supported at watt's printing-house i contracted an acquaintance with an ingenious young man one wygate who having wealthy relations had been better educated than most printers was a tolerable latinist spoke french and loved reading i taught him and a friend of his to swim at twice going into the river and they soon became good swimmers they introduced me to some gentlemen from the country who went to chelsea by water to see the college and don saltero's curiosities in our return at the request of the company whose curiosity wygate had excited i stripped and leaped into the river and swam from near chelsea to blackfriars performing on the way many feats of activity both upon and under water that surprised and pleased those to whom they were novelties i had from a child been ever delighted with this exercise having studied and practised all thevenot's motions and positions adding some of my own aiming at the graceful and easy as well as the useful all these i took this occasion of exhibiting to the company and was much flattered by their admiration and wygate who was desirous of becoming a master grew more and more attached to me on that account as well as from the similarity of our studies 
he at length proposed to me travelling all over europe together supporting ourselves everywhere by working at our business i was once inclined to it but mentioning it to my good friend mr denham with whom i often spent an hour when i had leisure he dissuaded me from it advising me to think only of returning to pennsylvania which he was now about to do i must record one trait of this good man's character he had formerly been in business at bristol but failed in debt to a number of people compounded and went to america there by a close application to business as a merchant he acquired a plentiful fortune in a few years returning to england in the ship with me he invited his old creditors to an entertainment at which he thanked them for the easy composition they had favoured him with and when they expected nothing but the treat every man at the first remove found under his plate an order on a banker for the full amount of the unpaid remainder with interest he now told me he was about to return to philadelphia and should carry over a great quantity of goods in order to open a store there he proposed to take me over as his clerk to keep his books in which he would instruct me copy his letters and attend the store he added that as soon as i should be acquainted with mercantile business he would promote me by sending me with a cargo of flour and bread etc to the west indies and procure me commissions from others which would be profitable and if i managed well would establish me handsomely the thing pleased me for i was grown tired of london remembered with pleasure the happy months i had spent in pennsylvania and wished again to see it therefore i immediately agreed on the terms of fifty pounds a year pennsylvania money less indeed than my present giddings as a compositor but affording a better prospect i now took leave of printing as i thought for ever and was daily employed in my new business going about with mr denham among the tradesmen to purchase various articles and seeing them packed up doing errands calling upon workmen to dispatch etc and when all was on board i had a few days leisure on one of these days i was to my surprise sent for by a great man i knew only by name a sir william windham and i waited upon him he had heard by some means or other of my swimming from chelsea to blackfriars and of my teaching wygate and another young man to swim in a few hours he had two sons about to set out on their travels he wished to have them first taught swimming and proposed to gratify me handsomely if i would teach them they were not yet come to town and my stay was uncertain so i could not undertake it but from this incident i thought it likely that if i were to remain in england and open a swimming school i might get a good deal of money and it struck me so strongly that had the overture been sooner made me probably i should not so soon have returned to america after many years you and i had something of more importance to do with one of these sons of sir william wyndham become earl of egremont which i shall mention in its place thus i spent about eighteen months in london most part of the time i worked hard at my business and spent but little upon myself except in seeing plays and in books my friend ralph had kept me poor he owed me about twenty-seven pounds which i was now never likely to receive a great sum out of my small earnings i loved him notwithstanding for he had many amiable qualities i had by no means improved my fortune 
but i had picked up some very ingenious acquaintance whose conversation was of great advantage to me and i had read considerably End of chapter six